Of Shaman on Batman. Today we're going to give you a very heavy spoiler episode of the latest Matt Reeves film, The Batman. And today I'm very happy to welcome back to the podcast Mark Hughes. If you want to read a definitive version of the best Batman films ranked, make sure that you are going to go to uh, Forbes.com slash Mark Hughes, I think it is. I'll, what I'll do is I'll embed it into this uh, tell you now, into this episode.com backslash Mark Hughes. Very easy. I was close. I was real close. <laughs> I was real close. But yes, it's a very definitive version on where um, his Batman films are ranked, and he gets very good reasoning behind that stuff. So uh if let's just Thank say you, let's just say that you're on a on a plane you're on a train maybe maybe you decide that you need to go d- drop a deuce pull up your ipad and uh start reading it's pretty good so uh <laughs> <laughs> so but yes it's gonna be a very heavy spoiler episode we're gonna be talking about the batman we're gonna talk about the things that we like we dislike and like this is good because mark and i I've read Mark's review. I've been pretty quiet on my overall thoughts on this newest iteration of the Cape Crusader, but this is a great opportunity for us to really talk about and debate um, our overall thoughts and um, our review on the Batman. So if you have not seen the Batman, but I'm sure many of you have seen the Batman because it was number one at the box office and $134 million domestically, 248, I believe it was worldwide. But if you have not, if you have not, uh, watched that film, what I want you to do is I want you to stop listening right this second and then go watch the movie, see it in an IMAX, make sure you're wearing your mask, Make sure you're, you know, you're taking your precautions. Then when you're done with that, come back, sit down, put your, put your AirPods in, put your Beats in. Maybe it's, maybe you're listening on Spotify. Maybe you're cleaning. Come back and listen to us that way. So that is what we're going to do. So that's going to be the last warning. This is going to be heavy spoilers uh, in regards to um, this newest iteration of Matt Reeves' version of DC Comics Batman. So, Mark, yes, sir. let's start with you. Let me get, I'm curious your overall take on this newest iteration of the character, but I want to, it's, it's a two-part question. What did you think of the film, and then what did you think was missing or lacking in this, in this, okay. in this three-hour film, in this three-hour <clears throat> film? Well, overall, uh, I've been pretty pretty vocal about how much I love this movie. Um, my title is, this is the Batman movie we've been waiting for. And that's certainly for myself and for people who've been through the, the many years of Batman, the same way I have in those conversations. I think that's true for a lot of us. Uh, this is the movie after the dark night when we had 
a fully formed Batman world, a a veteran Batman in a, a realistic uh, crime thriller. You know, the whole Bat world was out in front of him now. We all speculated about how could you Nolanize different villains to fit him into it. The Riddler was the top one we all wanted to see. Everybody pointed to the movie Seven as an example and said, put the Riddler in that, put this Batman from the Dark Knight in that. You're going to have a great, you know, that's the way to, to move forward. And I personally, as you know, have for years banged the drum that I really wanted a movie with Riddler and Penguin as the two main uh, villains in it. And so for me, uh, this movie hit that exact sweet spot. It was the Dark Knight, but with a little more of the gothic tone, a little bit more pushing the the boundaries of of realism, even though it pretends and acts like it's more realistic and more grounded than The Dark Knight. That's a testament to how great a filmmaker Matt Reeves is. I think that he was able to make something that was that was really did push those boundaries, uh, and yet it somehow feels to people watching it like it's every bit as it's as realistic or more hyper realistic than The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, the you know The Dark Knight's climax was he was going to blow up two boats the climax of this is he's going to destroy the city and there's an army of riddlers inspired by him there's all these costume characters i think masked characters uh, as you know since this is a spoiler review you can say even the joker is already there in this world mm-hmm. and we used to the joker gang so i think it's a more it's he he pulled a wonderful trick there in simultaneously making it feel like a, a a a more realistic Batman, and yet it's even more comic book faithful than the Nolan films. Uh, and that he the fact that he went to so much trouble and put the work in to build the city of Gotham, mm-hmm. the the structure of the criminal underworld, the structure of the politics, where the corruption is, how Batman has started at the the ground level. And it's an angry young man come back to the city that took his parents away, and he's evolving through this new story into someone who realizes I should become this. It's that story we've never we've never watched Bruce go through that transition as Batman. None mm-hmm. of the movies showed when he made when he overcame that anger and as in as Batman anyway. Now we've seen the transition from vengeful Batman to symbol of hope that Ben Affleck's Batman does, but he's a veteran. So he's relearning and reminding himself who he was. This is the movie where we see Batman. The first time he goes through this and realizes that his vengeance has been motivating him to the point that he had blind spots and that his mission needed to be bigger. This couldn't be just about himself uh, and using his own pain as a justification to go just get vengeance on people. He really is starting to care about the city in a very different way and see that people perceive him as a hero and he wants that. And this is the first time he's wanted that, that he's cared. He told Alfred before, I don't care about any of that. He didn't care about his money, didn't care about his name, doesn't care about his life as Bruce Wayne. If his if he can't be Batman, then he doesn't want to live. He essentially says that at a point early in the film. By the end of it, this Bruce Wayne doesn't just want to live. He wants to inspire people. Mm-hmm. It matters to him. It matters more than vengeance. 
Um, and I love that arc. And I love that the Riddler is the one who made him work through it to get to that point. You you mentioned something about this was kind of a, a fantastical Chris Nolan-esque type. You know, you have the grounded in realism, but you also have the fantasy aspects. And in my notes preparing for today... I wrote that, you know, like how I looked at this film, it was inspired by three, obviously it was inspired by the 75, 80 plus years of Batman. Um, but also, but for me seeing the movie now, I've seen the movie twice now, it was to me inspired by Nolan, obviously Tim Burton and then Lee Bermejo. Obviously there's aspects of Neil Adams in there. There's aspects of Paul Dini in there, but if you were just to like paint and you had three paintbrushes, those three paintbrushes are going to be Burton, Nolan, and Bermejo. I'm a huge Lee Bermejo fan. We've had him on the podcast numerous times. Obviously, we haven't had Tim Burton or Chris Nolan on. But with that being said, like if you were to look at you know the suit, the suit to me is inspired by uh, Lee Bermejo, the city aspect of it. It was very much inspired by Burton and Bermejo. But, but the story structure of it being grounded in this gritty, urban, realistic type of a, a fashion. You get that Chris Nolan take to it. I was curious if you if you got those 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 notes or those motifs <coughs> as you I don't know how many how many times have you seen this now? Twice so far. I've seen I'm so sorry. No, you're good. I've seen it twice so far. Um and uh, I love it. I loved it even more the second time <laughs> that I saw it, actually. Uh, and I just saw it uh, a couple of days ago. So yeah, I saw um, it. Sat- late Saturday night, Saturday. late I night, Saturday night, private screening. Uh, only three of us there in the room. Uh, it was very nice. Uh, I, I was so excited to get to see it again so soon, uh, sooner than I actually had expected to be able to see it a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it about three weeks ago for the first time and I was afraid it was that I didn't want a month or two to go by before I was able to see it again because uh, I'm generally avoiding theaters but uh, yeah the the impression I get I think to comment about uh, uh, Lee's artwork and, and his inspiration on it I definitely think that you can see several inspirations in this costume including he's one of them and I think I, I think it's fair to say that he's been a pretty he's been a significant influence for a while on mm-hmm. the live action Batman and the designs for live action Batman this Batman costume uh, I'll tell you for fun uh, if I'm going to mention an, a, an unexpected influence, Darth Vader. <laughs> I'm serious. Look at the costume and look again at the shoulders uh-huh. and the armor across the chest and then the armored shoulders and the cape and his theme music. Bum, bum, bum. It's all that and Darth. It's There's a similarity. It's mm-hmm. not the same, but there's a proximity to each other that's this sense of like, uh, and I don't know how much of it was intentional versus how much it's a case of some of the going for the same certain same aesthetics and and stylistic uh, uh, impressions on mm-hmm. the audience and on everything that you might that without even directly thinking Darth Vader, just the idea of this hulking figure moving out of the darkness and the sound of the movement and the how big and the broadness and the way that silhouette looks and then that bum 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 kind of music 
it's isn't it doesn't it remind you of the when Darth Vader's music starts when he comes walking into a scene for the first well, time? Well, luckily, luckily, this is a spoiler episode because at one point at the end of the movie, he literally pulls out a red lightsaber. I'm just messing with. Well, you. there you go. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's cool, right? So, uh, if I was going to look at the influences, the the inspirations, I mean, story wise versus aesthetically, I think one of the things that fascinates me about this movie is that. Look at the comic book, direct comic book sources of inspiration, and then look at the visual and aesthetic inspirations. They are very different, right. dramatically different, actually. The story inspirate sources of inspiration themselves, aside from year one, which uh, is obviously a much more grounded attempt at a hyper-realistic Batman, uh, but... Besides year one, most of those comic book influences were more fantastical. Batman, Ego, Long Halloween. Fantastical, right? Mm -hmm. You know? So when you think about that versus how with the aesthetics they went for a much more grounded approach, that is one of the many things that I think Matt Reeves does so brilliantly in his films. He, he can take a movie like Planet of the Apes where the aesthetics are so fantastical it's talking apes it's apes walking around talking and riding and driving cars that looks freaking crazy right but then you use a story that is as character driven and dramatic and grounded as you can to make it feel realistic with batman it's he's kind of flipped it where he's got a story that's it's batman so it's fantastical you know Mm -hmm. it's batman the city's under threat there's people wearing masks running around doing crazy shit uh, it's fantastical, and the story influences are fantastical, but then he grounds that in a more realistic aesthetic instead. So that mixture, he knows how if you've got a story or an aesthetic that's more fantastical, you need to lean the other way to ground it in order to get a balance that'll make it really, you'll be able to hit a lot of sweet spots. So I think he knows that in certain stories, the realism is what is the strongest element and what really props the story up and drives it whereas somewhere else it might be the realism and he i think he just intuitively pinpoints that really well in in these various stories and then figures out what would it look like if you pulled all that together into batman what would that batman look like and and that's what he's got that's what he put on the screen um were there any like you were very very uh, high on the praise of this film was there anything because th- that's going to be my that's going to be leading into where i talk to next was there anything in this film that you thought was lacking that you didn't think did a good job of because there there has been some online debate on the characterization of bruce wayne and i know that there's a lot of de- in regards to debate on this characterization the, the way that he portrayed this version of bruce wayne is it it, it was missing the Bruce Wayne at a gala, at a ball, or being, you know, at Wayne sure. Wayne Enterprises, you know, being the the Tony Stark, I guess, you know, that, that version of Bruce that we've all kind of come to know from, you know, the Nolan movies, you know, Ben Affleck's version of it, where he's kind of aloof, he's kind of like, he's kind of like the ladies <laughs> man, you know, he goes around, he's got two women on, you know, each each arm type of a thing. Um, which that's my big complaint about this, but we'll get into that version. But since you're here talking, was there, was that an issue for you? Well, Cause I, I know that the, I've seen that a lot. 
I've no, and that's that's the thing. When when you were explaining it, you made the point that it's the Batman, that it's this Bruce Wayne we've gotten used to seeing because mm-hmm. we saw it in the last how many movies? How many Batman movies now? Batman Begins, Five. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman versus Superman, Justice League. Uh, go back to the Burton times because also all four of those movies had Bruce Wayne at the galas in the suits and doing all that stuff. Every single bat, even the 1966 Batman movie, every single Batman movie, nine, 10, 11 movies that had Batman in them, every single one had the same, that aspect of Bruce Wayne there. And they Mm -hmm. might tweak his personality, but that, that all the stuff around him was always there. What we've never seen is when Bruce Wayne came back from traveling the world and determined to put on body armor and spend his life going out at night fighting crime. The Bruce who came home and was like, this is my mission. This is what I'm doing. How does how do you get from I just spent seven or eight years in hiding, traveling the world, learning to be a ninja and designing my own body armor to dress as a giant bat? to terrorize a city how does that guy get home and go where's my tuxedo alfred give me a martini you old bastard (laughs) it should take time and i'm fine with the fact that the other movies didn't take didn't really spend a lot of time showing like him transitioning back into that batman begins tried because at first he wasn't doing it and alfred said you've got to get you've got to put yourself out there or everyone's going to figure right. out that you're the Batman because you showed up the same day, dude. Right. There's, there's that so scene, like, there's that scene in that film where he goes, you know, what does someone like me do? He goes, drive sports cars, date movie stars, buy things from not, that are not for sale. And then like a scene or two later, he's doing all the three of those things. Right. But that's, and that's, and it's fine to say, we're going to deal with that whole psychological aspect of it in literally the span of eight and a half minutes that's acceptable because that's the batman they were building what matt reeves is, but that's not the only batman in the comics there's mm-hmm. years of batman including one of the big influences on this movie that i told you for a long time including aesthetically with his costume and his bike was uh zero year with the riddler in the comics when mm-hmm. scott snyder wrote that story and when Bruce comes back at, on the front side of that, there's the story with Dr. Death and the Red Hood gang. And Bruce, that's what inspired this Bruce. He's like, Alfred, I'm not here to be Bruce Wayne. And Alfred keeps wanting him to do it. But for a while, he has the crew cut. And all he does, he's just Batman 24 hours a day. And he says, I'm not Bruce Wayne. I don't give a shit about being Bruce Wayne. That's not what I'm here for. I didn't just spend my life training to come back dressed as Dracula to also go to galas and have spend daytime doing that shit. I don't got time for it. I'm on a, I'm a I have a war. I'm mm-hmm. a soldier on a battlefield. All my time is dedicated to that. That's this Bruce. That's the guy who came back and has so far been a force of nothing but vengeance. And it's a Bruce Wayne who, instead of people imparting the idea to him, like he's in prison and Roz says, make yourself a symbol, a legend, wear a costume. Alfred tells him, burn down the... I love the Nolan films, but it's a particular Batman, a Batman who is being constantly inspired himself by outside forces. Mm -hmm. This movie, The Batman, 
he's no one's around to tell him this. No one's teaching him or trying to sway him to do this. He is going through experiences and figuring out, oh, I don't just have to beat the shit out of the people that are bad. I need to show the people who are good that they don't have to be afraid of me. Mm -hmm. I have to be a symbol of fear and a symbol of hope at the same fucking time. Mm -hmm. Bruce, the, he's so he's also going to learn that lesson. You get to that Bruce by showing us this Bruce. It's a transition. And I totally get the fact that a lot of fans, there's a lot of people who aren't interested in that version of Bruce who are like, I don't really care. To, I understand how a guy who's angry gets in enough fights and eventually figures out he needs balance in his life. Okay, I don't need that from Batman. I'm watching Batman for the detective story and the action and all that stuff. And if that's how you feel about it, I understand. I'm not going to argue because your opinion's not wrong. It's just preference. Mm -hmm. I think that there's time after so many Batman movies that we've already had, there's time to finally show this transition, the psychology of Batman, a wounded, broken man who's put himself back together, he thought, and then he gets home and is lost in this monster and figures out he hasn't really put himself back together yet. He's dealt with his trauma by suppressing it and turning it into outrage and into action, but he's not really, none of that is healing him. And so he's got to do something different and something more. And he's, we saw one movie dedicated to showing that, that one thing that we've not seen in Batman and in Bruce Wayne. This I, is the one version we've not seen. He just covered it all for us so that now we're going to have a Batman who is what Batman was being in the dark in a uh, Batman Begins, a symbol of fear and terror in the underworld, who's in, who's kind of mythical almost, but a symbol of hope to the good people in Gotham City, and he knows that now, and that means he's go as Bruce Wayne. He's also finally started to come out of his shell, so we're going to get to see him evolve as that character. Um, I, I, I definitely see your point, but it's definitely something that to me that I was missing. And I look at it like I look at it as a fan of film and a fan of this character. I, I it harkens back to you've seen It's a Wonderful Life, right? With Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? And like, this is kind of how I'm looking at it. This is kind of how I frame it in my mind because I've seen it twice now. There's a lot of the movie that I do love, but the aspect that I'm missing is that is that version of Bruce. And he doesn't need to be at a gala. He could be at Wayne Enterprises. And when they say, it's like, you know, we're bringing the accountants or someone in from Wayne Enterprises, like, oh yeah, we get to see like another side. Like, I'm so excited because I really like Robert Pattinson in Tenet. I thought when he was in Tenet, I was like, ooh, this is going to be the exact way that he plays this version of Bruce Wayne. He kind of plays this like, really kind of like aloof type of a character in Tenet. But he's like this badass action star but uh but the i i look at it like it's a wonderful life the the final like i wouldn't say the final 10 minutes but like from like the moment where the money is lost in it's a wonderful life you have this character that is so deeply dark and depressed and disturbed because he's led this life of being like walking the straight and arrow doing everything for his family not being able to do for himself if that was the entire movie of It's a Wonderful Life, it'd be one of the darkest movies of all time, right? Because it's just playing this one note of this character. 
he's always dark, he never gets his way type of a thing. He had all these dreams and aspirations, but they were crushed because his father, daddy, to take over the family business. He sees his friends um, around, you know, doing amazing things. His brother gets married. His brother is a war hero. George is the one who has to stay at home. He has to stay in Bedford Falls. And the reason why that film works is because you get to see a like another side of George, right? You get to see this character that's kind of funny in moments. He's got you know great depth and you know got has great range as a character. But the the way that I'm trying to like include these two films is we're only getting the 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 thirty minutes of George. Where, and I'm saying George as in Bruce, we're only getting 30 minutes of George, aka Bruce in this film, where he's just like the sullen, depressed, I want to throw my my life away type of a thing, where you had that, you had those differences in characterization throughout that film. And that's something that I was missing in this film. I like this film a lot. There's a lot, I think that the way that Greg Frazier shot it, the music, the direction, the story. But for me, I'm missing elements in this version, I'm yep. missing those things. I'm missing that those other. Yes, I understand that this version of Bruce, he's learning on the job type of a thing. Like there's that scene where the very iconic scene where he has that suit on and he's flying through the city and he puts opens up the the parachute and he and he does it right on the bridge and it stops him and everything. But to me, what where this movie, where this film could have transcended and been a definitive version of the character is showing those other sides of Bruce. And I know that the, the, what I really enjoy about this film is that it's very Batman-centric. It's very ba- Batman in the suit. He's with Gordon. But I'm missing... The two things I'm missing is the other side of Bruce and then... Alfred was just in the movie for like six minutes. Those are my big gripes. Other than that, it's pretty fantastic. But for I, me, I'm just missing those things. I definitely would have liked to see more Alfred. Mm-hmm. I get, I agree on that. Uh, I think it's that's just one of those give and take things where if you're going to have a movie where he's Batman most of the time, which we've never had, and I think... I, I tend to think if a complaint is, I know this is how it's always been, but I still wish this had been that way too, then mm-hmm. that's essentially a complaint that things should only be one way over and over. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a sure way to 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 kind of, to, to, I think to, to stifle creativity within the storytelling which i think has been a problem frankly with a lot of the comic book films and uh, as much as i love them i also think that there's often a there's a reluctance to try to go beyond the the more standard portrayal there's a it's far you're you're saying it's formulaic right yeah it gets it gets to a point where like if i'm seeing batman uh if I'm seeing a movie where he's Batman 33% of the time or only fifty or 50%. No, I don't even think any movie before this has had him a full 50% as Batman. No, maybe, I don't think so. Uh, but uh, maybe Zack Snyder's Justice League might be the only movie with Batman in it where he's... Or the original, actually the 1966 Batman probably is the answer. That's the only other time you had a Batman who was uh, on screen the majority of the time. And if we're going to have that which I think it's worth having that. I don't think that, I don't really think there's much argument for 
they should never make a movie where he's Batman most of the time. I, I don't, I, I think that's a pure preference point mm-hmm. and there's no real, de- I don't think there's a real debate about the, the preference part. Cause like I, I would prefer to have seen more Alfred. I know a lot of people wouldn't and don't really care, but I also recognize eh, I'd rather, I'd like to have seen more Alfred, but Alfred's in the other movies a lot. And mm-hmm. this movie, he's Batman in the field and Alfred crucially the mission has not evolved to the point yet where Alfred plays a significant role in helping him be Batman. You notice mm-hmm. Alfred even helping with the ciphers was, he was like, what are you doing? And it was surprising to him that Alfred was participating directly like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think it, it, this is one, this was a story. If it was going to happen where who is Alfred? Well, Alfred's an innocent bystander then, isn't he? He's not, part of the batman world where inevitably like hey he knew the risks it was going to happen he's just his family mm-hmm. he's just the guy that bruce didn't allow himself to even admit he saw his family because mm-hmm. he was afraid of the danger of caring about somebody else and then something happens to alfred and it's not his partner on the mission who's been attacked it's just his family member at home who got caught in the middle mm-hmm. Very different Alfred, very different setup. This is an Alfred who's probably going to start taking a more active role because like with the ciphers, he's now we see he's take, he started taking a role and he got caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. So at this point, if he's going to be involved, he may as well be directly involved. Right. right? If, if you're going to take uh, the risk, why not get in the middle of it? So even though I'd like to have seen more Alpha, but more to your point about Bruce, I would say, first of all, about the comparison to It's a Wonderful Life, uh, I think he does change as Bruce in this movie, though. He starts out as the recluse, but Mm -hmm. then he goes out to he goes to the funeral. Then he goes out again as Bruce. Mm -hmm. And at the end, he has come to realize he loves Alfred and he has to care about people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But. That said, he lets Selena go because he knows he it's not fair to her or himself to have a relationship. He can't have a relationship right now and be Batman. Mm-hmm. He's still figuring this shit out. And Alfred just got blown up. So he's not going to let him... He doesn't want to bring her into it because now he knows the risk to the people around him, which he didn't really appreciate before. Mm-hmm. So now you've got these he's shaping it. This is a Bruce transitioning from, he didn't care about anything. He wanted Alfred to shut up and just leave him alone. He didn't care. He was getting his vengeance and figuring out his mission. And he slowly changes to, so that at the end, he's a Bruce Wayne who's going out in public and doing stuff. And a Batman who's helping people because he wants to be a symbol to help change Gotham and inspire hope. Mm -hmm. I just, I just think he's just always depressed. But we haven't seen what we didn't see is, as you said, we didn't see him already with all that. But here's what I think about. Yes, we missed on the one hand, we miss getting to see him at events or at Wayne at being the the billionaire playboy face where he puts on that facade. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, if I have to choose between. I didn't get to see him put on that facade as a business guy that we've seen before versus I did get to see the deep psychology finally for the first time. I think the psychology of Batman and Bruce 
as an angry person who suddenly learns and discovers I need to care about people and I need to become a symbol of hope. That versus not getting to see him pretend to be a CEO in a boardroom, I'm much less interested in the company version of him. I want the one we've never seen before. That psychology to me is a much more interesting story. And I think Robert Pattinson portraying that deep, psychologically scarred part of him healing in front of us Mm -hmm. was much more compelling and interesting than getting to see him in an Armani suit doing like pretending and putting on. We'll get to that. We're going to have that now because that's the guy. Now he's going to start being that Bruce. But I wanted I think that story of his psychology is vastly more interesting than the the other thing that if they put that in there. So well, I, just, I feel like it was, it wouldn't have been worth losing part of that to get the other at this point. I just think having, <laughs> having a laugh between, cause like this, like I said, like to me, this version of Bruce is kind of just playing this one note. I'm always depressed. I'm always sad. I'm always looking, I always look like I'm about 10 seconds away from breaking down, like emotionally like, like, sure. Like, do I, do I need him to go to Wayne Enterprises? No. Do I need him to go to a gala? Do I need him to go to a ball? No. But what I do want to see is a, is a version where he isn't always so depressed and sad. And I know that's a lot of like Batman, but why couldn't there have been like a little funny moment between him and Alfred? Like at the well, they had, they had a couple of those. They had a scene at the breakfast table when they're talking. They had a few scenes where he's talking and friendly with Alfred. And then by the end of it, he's becoming, he's, I mean, he's, in, he loves Catwoman. Mm-hmm. He's falling in love with Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And he's had the moment talking to Alfred and telling him that he cares about him. And But it's all, it's for, all on the, the guise of, I'm sad though. It's not like, they're like, crack a smile, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like just, I just, my, I guess that's it's just one my. Of those, it's again, it's also, it's because he does actually smile. There's a few times in the movie he smiles, and a couple of times he jokes with Alfred. So there, those things actually do exist in the movie factually, and then on top of that, but we again, it's Batman, and this is that version of that story. So getting some of the. We, we didn't get as much humor as we did in some of the other movies, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, I remember very much how the complaints about the jokes and the humor in Batman Begins. It was nonstop. Fans and even critics that said that the one-liners and jokes were got a little much. People complained about Val Kilmer's Batman smiling too much. I mean, they can't really win for losing, so I get it. If it's... I mean, it's again, it's a matter of taste. If you... If you don't want, this is a darker, this is about the psychologically scarred Bruce. So you mm-hmm. only get two or three of those lighter moments with him as Bruce Wayne, but you do get them, but they're rare. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's the, not the character he is yet. He is this character that isn't the kind of guy who's going to be making a lot of jokes like, you know, Christian Bale's Batman, his Bruce actually almost every scene with Alfred was full of jokes and one liners, even uh-huh. serious scenes had jokes and one-liners in them every time. I'm okay with that. And it's fine, yes. But there are also, there is something to be said for banter. Not everybody wants Batman to be banter man necessarily. Uh Uh, And 
the the reason for that I think makes a lot of sense. Batman isn't bantering and doesn't make one-liners and jokes, but so you want Bruce Wayne to, so we get that other side of his personality. But again, are you telling me that when he comes back from traveling the world, training to become a ninja, and decides to dress up as Dracula, that he gets back to Gotham and he's like, "Hey, Alfred, how you doing, yo?" saucy guy. Yeah, he he's goes to a comedy show. He, he's why would yeah. he's a why comedian. Be, I think it's so this movie is taking time to show what does somebody look like who actually goes through that trauma and is so affected by it that he literally trains himself and his his body and his mind to be a vigilante and commits all of his money and all of his days and nights to just getting vengeance mm-hmm. and attacking criminals. That's a guy that might take time to heal mm-hmm. and might not initially be in the healthiest place when he starts out as Batman. So he is at the end. He, we see the transition of mm-hmm. Bruce and Batman in this. So the fact that there's even two or three lighter moments with Bruce is, to me, I think plenty. But that said, if it's if for you, if your preference for the character is that he uses banter and a lighter sense of humor as a mask to hide behind somewhat when he doesn't have his real mask to hide behind that's a valid approach that's mm-hmm. a valid and so if it, if you're bothered by that i'm not going to argue the i'm not going to say it's wrong you're not wrong for it i would just say i think it's worth meeting a film on its own merits and w- judging it on its own merits as well as against our own preferences and deciding on its own merits does that work Mm-hmm. Is it good and does it work on its own merits? And if it does, we can still say I'd prefer it the other way because I think that's more impactful. But as what it is, it works the way it is, and that is a valid approach to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And lucky for me, those are the same. It's the approach I would have wanted in this movie, and it's the I think they did a good job with it, even if that wasn't my preference. So for whatever that's worth. But mm-hmm. I, I recognize that I get what you're saying, and I understand where – that there are folks who do feel that way about it. And so that's definitely going to, going to taint your, your feelings toward the movie. Like, like I think the film was super technically sound. Like I really like the story. I'm just like, like my thing is I'm just missing one or two of these elements for it to elevate it above the dark Knight and Batman begins. Like that's just those few things here or there. Um, my other big complaint, and I feel like this is where we're going to have our biggest disagreement is I'm, and I said this to you after I saw it. I didn't care for the action off of the Batmobile chase. Like I liked it more the second time I saw it, but to me, the Batman Begins Batmobile chase still is the better of the two. If you were to compare the two, I think that the action, the fighting was cool, but to me, it, it this film laid heavily more into the detective story, which I know that's what they were going for. And not so ha- action heavy. Um, I know that the end sequence, the end sequence was pretty action heavy. But to me, like when I'm thinking of a Batman movie, and especially the Batmobile chase, to me, like that was the Batmobile chase was pretty weak. And that's coming from someone who owns a Batmobile. <laughs> like I know, like like I have, like my car looks like like I could soup it up, and it's a Batmobile. Like 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 I could send you pictures right now. And you can, like, I literally could have that stuff. To me, the Batmobile chase was better the second viewing, but it's still, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't get, 
there's elements of that stuff I was missing as well. Like, I wanted it to be, like, it was, like, such a muscle car, but there was not, like, to me, like, one moment where you could felt the speed of it. Everything was kind of confined to that, like, one little roadway here or there. Um, but to me, the, the action sequences, the fights were okay. I just, I guess I wanted more action because I know Matt Reeves is, is really good, uh, behind the camera when it comes to the fights and the action. Um, and then I guess the other aspect is I didn't care for the editing of it. Like, I don't know, like I, like some of the shots were to me that were too long. I guess I'm, I'm coming off of years of Chris Nolan and Zack Snyder it's not terrible, but to me, like, I wanted a little, a couple more quick cuts here or there, but those are my, my other main complaints. Other than that, I really like the film. <laughs> I, I, I'm so, I have to say, I, I honestly, I don't understand the complaints about the action in the movie. Uh, I've seen a lot of reviews that said it didn't feel like the, that it didn't feel as action heavy. It felt like there wasn't enough action and that it was more drama and crime thriller than action. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the number of scenes, uh, this definitely has, this has more action scenes than any of the previous Batman movies, even Batman versus Superman or, I mean, it's uh, three hours Knight. long, Mark. Come on now. It ha <laughs> numerically, it has the most of them. Uh, and whether they're as long, whether all total together, they're as long as the action scenes of other movies, I'm not sure, but, uh, it does have the most. So mm -hmm. I, and, and he's in, he's Batman most of the time. And there's an act, there's some, even if it's a small little action scene, there's usually an action scene about every 10 to 15 minutes in this. There's some sort of Batman action going down, even if he's just like busted, busting into the iceberg lounge or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but as for the car chase, I have, I think, I've seen some people complain about it, and all I can think is y'all saw a different movie than I did because I'm with the boat. I'm with the Fast and Furious fans who who saw this and are like, "This is like Fast and the Furious level chase scene," but it's Batman that. driving the car. I didn't get that. Uh, once they get in, in, they go from you know they're in the back alleyways and stuff and then once they get on the interstate and there's the giant semis and it's the rain and it's mm -hmm. visually it was just spectacular and i also i got the sense of power from that car having yes. owned a mustang and and a challenger myself i can say i felt like that the and it could be the theater you're in i mean honestly i recognize that depending on what theater you're in if you're in an uh, a theater that has the really good sound system in your seats going blah, 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 when that engine starts and that low bass vibration. Uh, and then when the flame kicks on and it's tearing down the road and he's everybody on the interstate, he's just flying past everybody like a rocket. To me, that was like, that's the Batmobile. That's a uh, bat out of hell literally coming for you. And then the flames, it kind of that whole sense of, you know, he's like a bat out of hell and the fire and then cut and smashing into the penguin and cr penguin crashing. And for the first time you see the penguin actually becoming afraid of Batman. I thought it was terrific. I loved it. I um, just, I, to me like that, that sequence needed to be about two or three minutes longer, but it's, it's, it works, but it go, it goes back to, if you're trying to make like Matt Reeves is trying to make the definitive Batman to me, he, he missed, a couple, a couple things in the action, especially that Batmobile chase to me was weak sauce. 
Like it's good, That's, but yeah. but can't, can't agree there. I don't know. <laughs> I just I just like well, like if you were to compare if you were to compare the Batman Batman Begins Batmobile Chase and then the the Batman Batmobile Chase, if we were to do like a poll right now, I bet the Batmobile Chase and Batman Begins well, would win. I have to say the Batman Begins car Batmobile Chase is my least favorite Batman Batmobile car chase in the movies. I I love that Batmobile. And the idea of him driving uh, driving to the top of the the build the the parking garage deck and mm-hmm. driving off the roof of it onto mm-hmm. an overpass nearby it's goofy but it was a cool thought because I always wanted to see like what if somebody drove off one of those and there was a road close enough but they made it work that like it's right where there's an overpass so the road is so close to the building he drives off it. But then he's driving on rooftops, and I'm like, uh, a tank on any building is going to – and the, the the dialogue for the police was just like cr- – I, I love that movie. Don't get me wrong. But the Batmobile chase scene, to me uh, – He's driving on rooftops. It's Yeah, I don't like that or the fact that it's the same – the cop apparently has a twin brother who's also a cop. There, yeah, there is. <laughs> the guy's chasing him and then he's parked somewhere else. Uh, it's a, I, I, But I love some parts of it. Like the, it's a black tank. <laughs> That's a great line. And the, the part when he go, goes up to the, the top of the building, the, the parking garage and blasts off, I like that part. I like when he goes invisible. And it's like, oh, the idea that he just vanished, but it's just a trick of the lights and how he does. I wish that he had stayed, that he had done that, and that's how he snuck away and they didn't find the Batcave. Because when he does that for like 10 seconds for some reason and then turns the light back on and goes again, and they're like, oh, there he is, and they keep chasing him. Like, why did you even do that? <laughs> like, And then his escape is that he just like – drives off down a dirt road. Okay, I get it. They crashed. Couldn't they just say, follow those tank treads down that road that lead right to that? I mean, it's one road. It goes right to a waterfall and Wayne Manor's above it. <laughs> I just think, I just think to me, like you felt the speed of that, of that Batmobile in comparison. There wasn't, you know, like you felt like, like, like I, it's, we're, we're arguing over the, Batmobile. huh? I do love that Batmobile. I, I, I like I this Batmobile too. More than speed, I always saw it as like the. That's I guess that's the difference actually. I think I see this Batmobile as speed. This is his, this is his chase car. The other one is his war car. That the 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 tumbler and all the other. The tumbler was felt more weighty and like it had weapons and he could go up against enemies that had big stuff. But the speed of it, like the idea of that he was just, I love the design of it, but he's drives, drives around Gotham City in a tank. Most of the time he's just using it to drive around and it's a tank. <laughs> I like, I really like, I didn't think I'd like another motorcycle after the bat pod, but we got the bat cycle. And I was like, and like seeing yeah. that at the end of the film, like that was something I was like, man, where like, I just remember the first, you know, the first week or two of filming they were in Glasgow and you would see those set photos of the bat cycle. And like, yeah. I, I will, I'll never forget like the, the stunt, dri- the stunt driver is driving the bat cycle and he falls over. I'm just like, where is this at? Where, why is this not in the film? Then you see it at, Oh, it's at the end of the film. Like I do like the bat cycle and I didn't think I'd like another bat, like 
Because when you see it, like, in, yeah. in set pictures and you see it, like, not, like, Greg Frazier does an amazing job with the cinematography here. Like, yeah. even better than Wally, Wally Fister does. But seeing that and seeing how he they were able to compose the shot with Batman and Catwoman in it with the bat cycle and then the background's Gotham City. I was like, oh my God, like there, there it is right there. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all the gripes I have with this film. I mean, I have issues with like the Riddler, like his suit and everything, but I'm not going to talk about like all my gripes. I really like Robert Pattinson's version of this character, especially yeah. Batman. <laughs> I really, he's a great Batman, isn't really he? really <laughs> love Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Yes, dude. I'm so glad he's getting his own show. Like, his let's talk point. about that. I get it. People are saying and pointing to other actors, like, why did they hire Colin Farrell and then put makeup on him when they could have just hired this other great actor? And stuff? I totally understand that. I understand, but is that kind of the equivalent of saying, why didn't they just hire a pro wrestler to play back? If you're saying this person looks just like the pink, I'm just kind of kidding in a way. But I think Colin Farrell is, I think he was great. And the fact that he had to have makeup put on him to be the body type and stuff isn't any different than Michael Keaton putting on a suit with the muscles on it to be Batman. Mm-hmm. So, and like uh, his walk and everything, the way that he talks. is what was amazing. <laughs> I love that performance. Yeah, like, like definitely, like I was going to tweet this the other day, but I didn't want to get lamb blasted for it on Twitter. Um, I was going to say that he deserves a Best Supporting Actor nomination for by the Academy. Like, it's that good. Like, he's Yeah, I wouldn't that... be surprised if it's if he's at least going to be in the conversation, I would guess. Like, I think he'll at least be in the he's conversation. He's that great in this. Like, even more so, like, I think that might, his portrayal of the Penguin might be my favorite aspect of that movie. And I really like Robert Pattinson's Batman. There's some things that I thought were wonky with his bat with his version of Batman. How he kind of like if you, there's a couple scenes where he's like walking like this. I was like, mm. like obviously people can't see how I'm walking, but he walks like this. I'm just like, mm, that's not. And like the other thing I didn't like is like, all right, it's 2022. Can we get this man a neck thing that can allow him to move his neck? Like he's still doing the shoulder bat turn. Like there are a few things he can turn his head. It moves. It's separated. It's actually the it's this mask that the one that he's wearing is lightweight and it lets him turn his head. Like I just like I didn't get I I just wanted a little bit more. Like, can we get this man? Like, does he have whiplash from like crashing his Batmobile into the penguin? Like, what's going on here? I really like like I know that I'm kind of like dogging this. Did you not notice why he walks that way with his arms like that? No. Think about think about him walking toward the camera with his arms like that and that metallic clunk clank sound of his boots as he walks toward you. It's like a gunfighter. I mean, I guess. That's what it's like a gunfighter. There's a whole gunfighter aesthetic going on with it, and he's got the the armor makes it and he's ready because he's got the stuff on his wrists and his stuff to grab in case you try to get away, but that's the appearance of it is also meant to, and they worked on that sound to get the sound of his boots when he's coming, whenever, when they look and they into the dark and you see him slowly coming out, you can hear that sound of his boots on the stairs or on the floor, that metallic sound like spurs on cowboy mm-hmm. boots. It's all to evoke that sense of a gunfighter, which is another, I actually love that about it. I like that he walks that stance that he walks. 
and it makes the more menacing silhouette as he comes out of the shadows, almost like Dracula raising his cape. It's really freaking I like it, so... Um, uh, I really like, after the second viewing, I didn't care for that opening. Not the, the scene with the mayor, where the mayor gets murdered by the, the carpet tool. <laughs> like, to me, that's so, that's so weird. Um, but I really like the... I didn't like it at first because it reminded me of Watchmen, Rorschach's journal, something's, you know, when Bruce is given that voiceover, I didn't really care for it. But the second time when he's walking through Gotham City, we see how populated Gotham City is. You see <coughs> that music that's playing, like, like Michael Giacchino's music is really good. I really like that sequence where he's walking and then he's talking about the city, like what he's got to do to it, blah, 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 blah. Like, like when I play when I play the music, that's the, I know it's the first track on the album, but like I'm, I've probably played that song probably 50 to one compared to the other ones. And there's other great music on that score, but just like the, it's just creepy, but it's also heroic. And like, I really like, I really like what he did with Gotham city. Um, I don't care, like, my bat, my version of Batman doesn't live in the city, like, he lives in Wayne Manor, I guess they're trying to make that tower to be Wayne Manor, but, like, the, those are just weird prefer- preferences, I feel like they really, they really went to, they really went into the 70s version of Batman, you know, the Neil Adams were Bruce is living in the city limits, where, like, I always grew up on Bruce living outside the city, type of a thing but like those are just small little small well, little things i think he's always lived he's always lived in the he's always lived within gotham city limits it's mm-hmm. just that he doesn't live he's his, wayne manor was always in the sticks so to right. speak it's always outside of the downtown it was in like there was the downtown the suburbs and then some of the areas where the rich and the gentry lived uh and the old homes and that's kind of where bruce always but it was always in gotham it was just it was in the city limits it just wasn't in the downtown right and this one isn't really in the day he's not in the downtown per se it's just uh i I think that they just don't really go to much trouble to make a point about it being like the palisades or whatever like giving it a particular like it's this far and this location outside and beyond the city or whatever um but uh, Gotham City itself. I love that that opening shot with the the kind of Gotham's Times Square, mm-hmm. Gotham Square, or whatever. Is that what they call it in this? I don't remember if they ever. I think Gotham so because they call it Gotham Square Garden. Okay, so, so that's right. You're right. Okay, thank you. Uh, so that that Gotham that opening is like kind of like Blade Runner almost. And that the mm-hmm. shot, there's a shot in Blade Runner early on when the cop picks him up and they fly past and there's the, they're flying through the city and there's the big billboards everywhere. And there's mm-hmm. the one that's for Coca-Cola and stuff. And uh, one with this woman's face on it. And that's, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that and the rain, the, that rainy streets and all. Um, and then so we get that color and the neon, the sense of that, but then we get the dark alleys and then we get the, oh, well, the convenience stores and those parks that are kind of at the edge of the city. And then we get the really dense urban area with the buildings and the trains and all. And I like that we even have the establishing shot that you can see how big it is and that mm. there's two large sections to the city 
and you get a sense of where things are in relation to each other mm-hmm. so that when he's traveling around you kind of you kind of can conceptually tell where it is and that it's all gothic and yet the gothicness of that Times Square and downtown is very different than the gothicness, for example, of uh, when the area in Glasgow and where they're riding around, the, you know, and everything looks like it's in medieval London or whatever. So, uh, <laughs> I think this might be my favorite Gotham City, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, by far it's my Like, favorite. I really do like it. Like, I, w- I really wish that he was at a manor, like, you know, but, like, those are just minor minor critiques maybe maybe in the next one he moves he moves back out into the quote-unquote sticks what you say (laughs) where he has a manner i'm sure maybe he does have a manner we just don't see it in this version he does that's yeah i mean that's wayne manner that's remember out that's why they came out to the they just i don't know if they i don't think they actually ever show an outside shot but it is a manner and it's why he has to get down on his bike he rides to the subway and then he goes into the old closed down underground train thing to get out to the edge of town mm-hmm. and then come this, back up I, and it's up in Wayne Manor. The Batcave's cool. The, I like the idea of it. I, I like the idea of it's kind of old, closed-down subway system. Like, that's kind of interesting. There's bats in it, so I'm happy. If there wasn't bats in it, I'd have problems with it. Um, but I do like this version of Gotham City. I feel like it, it definitely has... It definitely plays into every aspect of every comic you've ever read. But it also has, like, the Nolan and the Burt and the Bermejo, and it has, like, your favorite, like, everything's there. Like, you have the trains, you have the large, the large uh, bridges, you have, you know, the rivers, you have the canals, like, you have it all right there. And I like how, like, it, the only, the only issue I have with the city is they love to go to the Iceberg Lounge. I'm just like... Don't they have a different... Cl- I get what they were doing, but they go to the Iceberg Lounge a lot. Like, Batman's there. Selene is there. Bruce goes there. I'm just like, is this, like, the best place ever? Like, are they are they curing COVID? It's where all the... Well, it's where... It's like in any any right. big city, uh, LA or New York, there's going to be the exclusive clubs that... That's where, in LA, there's going to be the places that all the stars go to mm-hmm. and all the politicians and then all the, I mean, I will, I eat my, I eat at a, uh, a Italian restaurant that has a lot of, let's just call them independent businessmen who hang out out there discussing very private business regularly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's uh, fine. Great food, but like, the reality is there's places that you go. Uh, it, and so iceberg lounge is where that's where everyone, when they say everybody who's anybody goes there, this place has everything. <laughs> like it felt to me like I was watching like an episode of Cheers after the second or third time it goes there. Because you have that main sequence where Batman's doing his investigative work using Selena, which I love. But then it's just kind of like it kind of plays redundant to me the, the multiple times that they go to it. Well, so, it's, in fairness, that's like where the villain and the victims all are. Right, so right. I'm all good with that. I'm just that's saying the case kind of revolves. The penguin owns it, and that's where one of the victims was murdered there, and everything ties back because that's it. All centers on it's all about Falcone, and mm-hmm. that's why the Riddler's across from it because he knows the Riddler knows that's the center of power mm-hmm. in Gotham City. That building and that lounge, everything, everybody with power that's involved in everything corrupt is there. It's the center of it, and the whole story. 
comes down to the 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 deals and the dirty dealings that happen in that place. This this version might have my favorite version of Batman's relationship with Gordon. <coughs> like even yeah. more so, even more so than the animated series. I think anyone would ever top that version. Like the way that they interact, the chemistry that they have, the, they both are very singular minded about taking down Gotham's underbelly. Um, and like Gordon is like the one true, he says you're a good cop at the very end of the film. Cause it feels like, like to me, Batman's like saying, Hey, I'm not going to survive this. You're a good cop. Still yeah. keep what you're doing. Um, yeah, but like this version it has the weight of that. Wasn't that a great line? Mm-hmm. He just, he thinks he's about to get exposed and go to prison as Batman. And mm-hmm. the last thing he could, the last thing he says to anybody before thinking he's about to, He's doomed is to tell Gordon you're a good cop. Right. And like I you really know? like I really like the best it. thing he could say about him between them, that's the best, it's the greatest compliment he could have given him in Gotham mm-hmm. City is you're a good cop. Mm-hmm. And like like it's such a like just the like the way that they like man, they just have such good chemistry. Like I know Marshahala Ali, I will always mispronounce. I know that they reached out to him at one point for uh Gordon, but I'm so glad it's uh it's uh, what's his face? I can never remember. Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Wright. Wright. Yeah, so he's good. awesome. He was on my short list of of who I wanted for Gordon. I was so pleased at him and the, I had a few people on there that have been were long time and after uh, Westworld, uh, especially season two, he jumped. Uh, Such a great actor, and he he embodies the character of Gordon. Like like, there's a scene where where the scene where it's right before the the Batmobile chase. Where literally it's like seventy three villains against Batman, Catwoman, Gordon, and Gordon literally with his little with his Ford Taurus and his handgun goes up and like tries to like take down you know that right there. I was like, that's awesome. That's Gordon right there. Yeah. So, so there's there's a, there's a tweak to this Gordon different from the previous and again and i'd like i just want to i was kind of making jokes about the tumbler and the the batman chases i love those movies and i love the tumbler so mm-hmm. i'm obviously i'm not just suddenly re- like gonna revisionist uh do revisionist history on my own opinion of the mm-hmm. other batman movies I, I love those movies i'm just saying in hindsight uh i have those but i was also kind of exaggerating for humorous effects so mm-hmm. i just in case anybody gets the impression that i'm trying to diss those movies i do love them even though i have complaints or things that made me go eh about it grandolph's um, not listening to this huh i said grandolph's not listening to this <laughs> um uh oh i just lost my train of thought you're talking about I'm the sorry. one one oh, little yeah, tweak gordon, uh there was the difference this gordon is clearly a guy who has at the got to the same point bruce wayne did about gotham city and was like <laughs> This is a Gordon you can imagine when the first time he saw a guy show up in armor and a ma- a bat mask and was like, I'm here to fight crime. Gordon was like, it's about fucking time somebody put on body armor and came to help fight. Uh-huh. The, I never got the impression that, for example, like Gary Oldman's Gordon is a very is a different it's a different approach and he's a different guy. It's the corruption is there, but Batman still shocks him the way he shocks everybody else in the city. And it's still kind of Gordon himself is compromising on his own principles and working with Batman. 
and maintains a you know plausible deniability, whereas Jeffrey Wright is like, you're the only person in the city I trust. Mm-hmm. And is willing, he doesn't care. His career, he'll throw his career away to help Batman mm-hmm. because he believes in Batman and what Batman's doing. Crucially, more than Batman does in this movie, at this stage, he sees Batman as what he needs to be before before Batman realized that whole thing he realizes at the end. Gordon is the first one that sees him as a hero. Mm-hmm. And Gordon, through the whole thing, is acting like this man's a hero, and it's my honor and privilege to stand side by side with him as partners and fight for the city. That's what's happening. And I like to see that, that it's a Gordon who is inspired by Batman and is like, oh, yes, we're going to do this together, dude. But it's not (laughs) just that. It's the chemistry that they have, too. The chemistry that they both bring. Like the scene where he wrote when they both roll up at the same time and he goes, I saw the single. I thought you said it. He goes, I thought you said it. And they go up. It's like they have like this like like I want like it's almost comedic. And like they're kind of the way that they kind of interact with each other, like a Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. But it's much like more Butch Cassidy and the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Like like let's see where he goes. I'm looking for a USB, and he pulls and it's a thumb. And like yeah. he goes, he goes. All right, you're gonna have to use you know the thumb drive to to get. He goes, yeah. oh, this dude's real hilarious. Yeah. Like you can see, like they're kind of like they're not playing it tongue in cheek, but they are kind of playing it tongue in cheek a little bit. Like from what. Right. But it, like, works perfectly because they're on the same mission. They're both, like, lockstep as Batman and Gordon in this. And you right. feel th- all that history of all the comics and, you know, the animated series and the different films all in the way that they interact with one another. But it's also something new and interesting where they're both investigating crime together. Like, you got a little bit of that in The Dark Knight where, you know, he's, you know, it's like, I'm looking for fingerprints, but yes. this one's way more like they're working together. They're going to the morgue together. They're going, you know, they're investigating together. Like that was cool to me. Like that investigative stuff was awesome to me. Like, and like, yeah. I mean, maybe that's why, maybe that's why Matt was like, we don't really need to have another scene with Alfred because I'm giving you kind of like that sequence between those two characters. But instead of it being Alfred, it's going to be Gordon. And um, right. if that's what he's going for, I'm okay with it. Even though that emotional anchor to me is so important to b- both Batman, Bruce, and Alfred. But at the same token, just getting them to like the <clears throat> sequence where they're interrogating the penguin, like I like that to me because like I'm just thinking to myself, my dad would like this movie just just because of their interaction together and like right. this portrayal of. Because my dad doesn't care for superhero movies. Like, I got him to go see Batman Begins the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises because uh, it was so grounded. Like, he could be like, all right, I can believe this. But, like, seeing seeing the interaction, seeing Gordon, like, being, like, a cop and, like, being a moral and just police officer, can get I can get my dad to like this movie because of that. So, and to yes. me, that, that's... I really like that relationship between them, and I do. I agree with you. It's the strongest, I think, on film between. Uh, Batman I think it might and be the best. It might be even better than some comic, comic interpretations. Yeah, to me, yeah, for sure. Like it, they get to that, they they get down, and they 
they let them express admiration for each other and act in ways that presume that trust and that admiration, and they're not afraid to have them say it. And that's something else I really appreciate about this movie. In the previous, in the Dark Knight movies, Bruce has one moment of vulnerability where he says, I loved her. And it's too late at that point. Mm -hmm. But think hard. Go back through all the movies. How many times did he say he loved Alfred or that Alfred was his family? How many times did he tell Rachel he loved her? How many times did he tell Miranda or Selena Kyle that he loved him? When did he ever say to, yeah, it's very rare that he expresses his emotional affections for anybody except dead people, his mm -hmm. parents, you know, uh, or Rachel after she's been blown to bits. Uh, it's a Batman who, despite the fact that there's clear emotion, I'm not saying there's not emotion, it was a different type. He's, it's not a Bruce and those weren't stories where expressing those kinds of feelings came easy to him and he didn't do it. It wasn't part of his makeup. This movie lets that happen. It lets the various men that are in these different relationships. It's not just romances where there's affection and feeling expressed. If anything, it's restrained there because that's what Batman, that's what Bruce is afraid of, these emotions. But he, the floodgates opened and he's at least on some level expressing these things. So I like that about this movie. Uh, I appreciate that. And I really like that the Gordon and Batman relationship comes through so clearly as a friendship and that they like each other besides mm -hmm. just that they're just using each other or that Batman just uses him as a, you know, on the battlefield ally that they're friends and that they're working together, that they're, it's a partnership and they like each other and they have each other's back and they always have each other's back. Right. You know, Gordon helps him escape. He's like, <laughs> you're going to have to punch me in the face. And then like the next, so Batman punches him. And you have that very iconic sequence where he's running up them steps, and you see you see him like looking down, and like he's like, "Oh shit, I gotta yeah. I gotta suit up, I gotta get into another suit." And he flies down the music plane, and then like the very next scene, he's like, "You couldn't pull your punch." He goes, "I was." <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I like that a lot. <laughs> like that's like I like play more. Like I want to see more of that. Something that we haven't talked about, you know, we talked about Penguin. We haven't talked about Riddler. We haven't talked about Catwoman. What is your What are your right. thoughts on that? Uh, well, I've you know, you and I've talked. I'm just, I'm going to say, you know, the the obvious thing that this part of the reason why I love this movie so much is because it's so close to what I've all what I've specifically really wanted and said and banged the drum for. Uh, this I loved the the way this riddler was portrayed um there were two ways to go with it and one of them was the 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 zodiac serial killer approach and the other of course was the crime that he was just like a, an alternate type of a crime lord or whatever and uh i think he i think what matt reeves did was again i come back to this is <laughs> This is the movie we all said we wanted for so long. I mean, this was it. Seven, except what if the what if the villain in seven was the Zodiac killer? It's it's perfect. That's mm -hmm. for to me, like you can't the unless you're gonna make the Riddler just 
what he was in like the TV show or in the comics where he's a crime boss who's just obsessed with riddles and you have to solve the riddles and the riddles were a trick. There was a way to do that, like Simon said, the whole Simon Says thing from Die Hard 3, and that's one of the ways I had I had advocated for a Riddler who used that approach and was blowing stuff up and killing people around the city as part of a larger getting toward a bigger thing, and it was going to be that he was going to blow up and destroy the Penguins' iceberg lounge because they were at war over who was going to be the top bad guy. But that's what he's done instead uh, what he the way he went with it was the alternate way that's a lot I think much better <laughs> even the, uh, which is to go the zodiac you take that story it's kind of sells itself because that's uh, the Riddler a guy who's just making elaborate puzzles and riddles in public is a harder sell how do you do that where it doesn't come across like essentially Batman forever or the Joel Schumacher, the more cartoonish outlandish type thing. You either lean into that or you go with somebody that's committing crimes and murders. Who's leaving clues and ciphers that you have to solve, but which means something else when you add them together, which is what mm-hmm. this was. And I think that was great. Uh, I like his costume. I told mm-hmm. you, you know, I wrote an entire article about how the Riddler should have a, a green army type jacket and wear a, a, a mask like, you know, the gimp from uh, uh, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And so this is really the sort of thing that I'd love. This is, it was exactly what I wanted. A grounded approach that still is a costumed villain with a big elaborate plan to destroy the city, but it looks like something more personal at first. And then as the more you look at it, it becomes clear the city's under attack by this guy. Uh, and so I loved it. I thought it was great. Paul Dano is, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody's surprised that Paul Dano delivers a terrific performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I liked it. Uh, I was, I'm a big fan of this Riddler. What about you? Um, I thought like, I really do like it. I like the, I like the Riddler uh, riddles and everything. Like they're pretty interesting to me. They're a little too low tech for me. Like, have you, you've seen all the animated series episodes, right? One of my favorite Riddler episodes in Riddler <coughs> Anything is, it's the episode, it's called, If You Are, If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich? Where the Riddler literally turns off the electricity and makes it, turns it on, turns it off, and makes it Morse code. Like, I was looking for a little bit higher tech because Edward Nostin or Nastin or, or Edward Nigma is supposed to be like this super tech, techie, geeky type of a person, super intelligent. Um, I would have preferred a couple things like that. I really liked it. To me, it kind of got old after like the second or third card that he gave. Like, couldn't he have done like another way to deliver? I don't know. Like, again, it's just like minor critiques of, you know, the older I get my personal preference of what I wanted to see out of this because he's supposed to be given like the, the definitive version. He just missed it by like, that much of being like the perfect like i just wanted a little bit higher tech and i know like even people could argue and say well he know he did blow up the city like he blew up the water and everything he used you know car bombs and everything but well eh. i get i i get it i totally understand that i don't i i think if that's uh that's I would I would say that within the film, there's a specific reason he mm-hmm. explicitly does. Ev- everything is very low tech, 
all the murders and stuff, he's doing all this stuff low tech because of the fact that there's his final one is very is all high tech and mm-hmm. it's online, it's on computer, but they're not looking at any of that at first mm-hmm. because the only thing he does high tech is the email drops with the mm-hmm. flash drive. That was a high tech moment, and uh, but generally speaking, they're not looking. They're looking at him as a guy who's he's killing people with blunt objects and uh, he's using bombs and explosives to, you know, uh, and cards to communicate and ciphers to communicate. So there's all this low tech and pretty general, you know, typical stuff. And then so to find out that he was on the, the dark web with some sort of site where he was organizing an army of Riddlers and has planned and planted bombs and explosives to flood the city Mm -hmm. that I liked the fact that so much of what he was doing was misdirection Mm -hmm. and that was intentional. He, there was the intentional misdirection and then there's the accidental misdirection where Batman became convinced he knows who I am and he's going to reveal it. And that threw Batman completely off Mm -hmm. when he started thinking that he lost the more that he started, that he suspected he, it was related to him, mm-hmm. because he misunderstood that he misread the direction the clues were going in. And I didn't get so that, that at first, but it was after that second viewing, where you know he could keep Riddler is being interrogated, keep saying Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, and I didn't get it the first time because it was like to me it was insinuating that they were some sort of some way related or they knew each other from the orphanage. That's kind of what I was getting the first time I watched it, but the second time I viewed it. He said that Riddler said that the only one they didn't get was Bruce Wayne. And so that's why he kept on saying Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. I yes. was the only yeah. one. I didn't get that at first. Like it was over my head. Oh, so you thought that he knew that he was Batman. Yes. You thought that he, oh yeah, no, it was, that was, uh, he, he, the whole point is that he thought Batman was on his side. Mm-hmm. He thought Batman, he was so nuts. He thought Batman's involvement was that Batman was helping him and was playing the game with him and figured it out. And mm-hmm. then each, because if you, each time Batman figured out the clues, it actually was kind of leading into and setting up the next Riddler crime. Mm-hmm. So from the Riddler's perspective, Batman was in on it with him and that Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne is the one who got away. Mm-hmm. we didn't get him but we got all the rest of him and now we're going to destroy the city and they're all going to pay he thought Batman knew it he thought Batman had already figured it out and knew the setup and, so and I would submit kind of, and that's why he came that's why he comes that's the whole reason he's talking that he's talking to him that way uh, yeah I thought that was just I thought it was tremendous I like the misdirection I like how much the misdirection was part of it and that self misdirection became mm-hmm. part of it and, and kind of hamstrung Batman. I, I feel like piece. that sequence right there where he's interrogating and he starts to yell and when he starts to say, you're deranged, you're crazy, you're a psychopath. That's when Matt Reeves version of Batman <laughs> is finally fully realized and he's not his year two anymore and he's finally like this is the batman going forward like to me that's when he's finally saying that you see like his guttural reaction towards the riddler tell me what you're gonna do i need to know right now i gotta save the city that's to me when this version of batman becomes 
Batman, where he's not, you know, where he's not struggling, where he's not making mistakes about La or L, or he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not, he's the fully formed going forward because he is able to save the mayor. He is able to save the people in Gotham Square Garden. He is able, you know, obviously with help, but he is able to do those things. And like, to me, that sequence right there where he's interrogating, where he's, where he thinks like, oh God, he's going to reveal. Cause he, th there's the camera shows that there's a camera looking at Batman. So it's like, oh God, they're going to know who I am. I'm going to get, I'm already in Arkham Asylum. They're going to lock me up type of a thing. Like I feel, felt like that's what he was trying to do. But then once he finally goes, oh, hmm, you don't know who I am. That's when he's like, tell me where, you know, it's like the classic Batman story comes to life. Like, I got to save, not only do I have to save the people, you know, with the bomb and everything, I got to save everyone else in the city as well. So he becomes that fully realized version of Batman in that sequence to me. So, I don't know. I, I think there's a, I think that he is almost there, but he, I, I think that it's a slightly, I think it's the moment when he goes to help the people in the wall when it's over when mm -hmm. he stopped it and he lights the flare and he goes and puts his hand out when mm -hmm. he's saying he realizes that it's now he's realized that he needs to be more than vengeance he needs to be hope that's mm -hmm. the moment that when he leans down and puts his hand out and waits who's gonna step forward and take my hand that's the moment and then the little boy is the first one that takes his hand the boy whose father died at the start and from that, that's to me the final piece falling into place where now he knows and it's, he knew it was, he, you know, he looks out, he sees the big thing that's there and he knows he has to cut that loose and that'll block the water pouring in that's going to drown because everybody's under that stuff, the water's rising, he's got to stop the water and the only way to do it is to go out on that big thing that's hanging there and he cuts it loose, it falls, but he falls as well, he survives, so... Then he's, the people are trapped there, and instead of letting someone else, it's like, I have to go. Now I'm going to save them. So it's a minor bit, but I, I would I would put the point at which he's like, now he's Batman. And you could even argue it's not till that last shot when mm -hmm. he makes the choice, when Catwoman says, come with me or ask me to stay. Mm -hmm. That's all she wants is him to say, ask her to stay or offer to come. And when he doesn't, and she says, come with me, and he doesn't, she even says you're already spoken for, meaning yeah, the, the, your your wife, your girlfriend is Gotham City. I can never, I can never yeah. be, and which is which is interesting as well because basically he's putting his career in front of, you know, like how many people do we know that put their career in front of their significant other? <coughs> more right. more people than we know, right? So like that's basically what you like. You're already spoken for. You're spoken for, yeah. but. I like that it was the bat signal in the sky too, is the, you know, the city's call, you're being called, uh -huh. your city needs you kind of thing. And I will, like me and me and Mark, and I finally beat, I finally beat Mark at something. Like we have been arguing and arguing about this ending sequence. Cause I kept on saying there, I feel like the ending sequence is going to be something political. Like I just feel it goes in Mark. And I have text messages and Mark's like, no, I don't think so. But in like, like no, I find Justin, I already knew though. Don't you, I told you, I knew I couldn't tell you. That's why I kept having to say, Oh, you mean that other scene? Oh, you mean that scene 
and with the bomb. Oh, with the car. I was doing my best to not comment on the. Well, uh, sure, but I would like let me have this. <laughs> let me have this victory, okay? For once, um, Catwoman. Thoughts on that? I thought Zoe Kravitz was amazing. Yeah, this was. Uh, look, I. I mean. <laughs> Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer gave an iconic performance. Clearly, and Hathaway did really great too. It's, uh, it's it's amazing, and it's it will always be there. Uh, and I think Anne Hathaway's Catwoman was terrific as well. Uh, it very 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 much evoked the feeling of the Catwoman from the nineteen you know the old TV series, nineteen sixty six series, visually, and then a lot of her way that she acted as Catwoman and stuff, while giving us a condensed version of the Catwoman starts off as a thief with a heart of gold, but she is still a criminal and a thief who grew up on the streets. And then she becomes, she just wants to start fresh. She meets Batman, falls for him, redeems herself, becomes a hero. They fit it all in there. And to kind of, it was like their condensed version. It was the last Batman movie. They were giving us their version of everybody. Here's Robin, here's Catwoman. You know, they were bringing everything to a close, whereas this is giving, everything is just beginning. So Mm -hmm. we got Catwoman become, it's Catwoman Begins for her. Her subplot was Catwoman Begins because she wasn't Catwoman Mm -hmm. yet. And, uh, but she's turning into Catwoman. So she's going to get her own TV series almost surely. And I know they they want to do it, and uh, they set it up pretty clearly. Uh, there's certain Catwoman storylines that that just kind of naturally flow from this now, and I'm excited to see it. Um, I, I think uh, Zoe Kravitz was she's been a fan favorite for the role for a long time for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she looks the part, and she has the acting chops to pull it off. We've seen her. Uh, we've seen her in performances that had not exactly like this character, but it had enough of the similarities uh, to some of the core elements being a, an action character, but also uh, a character who has some pretty deep motivations from her background and her backstory. Uh, and a character who's heroic, who comes into heroism uh, beginning with, starting out in a story that's just purely about watching out for herself, getting, and then getting revenge and protecting her friend, confronting her father, all of this stuff. Uh, this was a really fully formed Selena Kyle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, I'm just, man, I say this, no matter what you think of this, whatever else you think of the movie, if you don't like the movie, whatever else you're going to, this movie sets up and builds uh, it, there's going to be a whole expanded Batman world now. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the whole Catwoman corner. You're going to see the Penguin and the Underworld corner. You're going to see Arkham Asylum. Uh, is he and, not doing? Is he not doing GCPD? No, that's that's. They're not doing that. The original version of that was going to be kind of a uh, not Harvey Bullock exactly, but a corrupt cop uh, was going to be the the main character of that. It was going to follow a, a corrupt uh, cop in Batman's first, when Batman first shows up, like here's what Gotham city's like. There's a corrupt cop and Batman shows up and this cop trying to redeem himself through the course of the story. And now it's evolved. I think they want to do more of because the, the, with the Joker and the setup at Arkham, they see an opportunity. They've got the Riddler and the Joker already in Arkham. Mm -hmm. So why would you not want to go ahead and pursue a story 
set in our, a miniseries or a series in Arkham. I think they'll still do the Gotham PD eventually, I hope, because that's an it's such a great project and there's so much potential. Um, where, where does this where does this Batman film rank in comparison? You know, you you've written your you, you've written your uh, your top Batman films. Now you've seen this multiple times. Where does this rank for you? Um, this is my favorite Batman movie. Uh, it was after the first screening, I came out with this being my, this is my new favorite Batman movie and it, it's selfish. It's, this is the Batman. He made the Batman movie. That's everything I personally wanted mm-hmm. in, a, in a Batman movie. Uh, he hit it out of the park. So now I'm like, okay, what's the next one going to be? <laughs> right. Uh, is it going to hit it out of the park too? I'll tell you now theory. I think the next movie is the the villain will end up being Mr. Freeze has of course been talked about. So this is not a stretch from, I'm not like a genius to figure this out, but I would, I expect the next movie will have, uh, uh, Mr. Freeze as the main villain and will introduce Dick Grayson. That's, that is my prediction for the sequel to the Batman. Um, so this one, so this one is your number one favorite, right? This is my favorite Batman movie. Uh, I think whether or not it's the all-time best as a movie, as far as best Batman movie, it's a virtual tie between this and Batman Begins Mm -hmm. uh, for the best Batman movie. And then for just which of the movies is the best movie. Um, I'm, I I want to say the Batman. Uh, I'm I, in fairness. I am going to give the. I watched the Dark Knight trilogy uh, before. I rewatched all the Batman movies to do my article ranking them before seeing the Batman. But now that I've seen the Batman twice, I want to watch the Nolan trilogy again just to be sure, because obviously it's a very close race between the Batman Batman begins in the dark night. Mm-hmm. I think that right now, I believe that the Batman is probably, if I had to give you my, my right now without having revisited and cons- sat and thought long enough, because I still plan to do that when it comes on TV, I want to rewatch them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a few weeks away. But my sense is, I believe the Batman, the Batman is my favorite Batman movie. And I believe uh, and it's a hair, just a hair ahead of Batman Begins, because I love the Batman or they got that is the perfect Batman origin right mm-hmm. there. Um, so uh, I would say this is also the bet. I say the Batman is my favorite Batman movie. It's the best Batman movie to date. And I think it's probably the best movie of the Batman movies. It's probably just the best all around movie, but it might be in a two or three way tie with one of with Batman Begins or The Dark Knight. And and I respect completely anyone who puts Batman Begins or The Dark Knight as their personal choice as the best, which I am guessing you do. <laughs> yeah. Right now, right now, like like every time <clears throat> I think about the Batman, it grows on me a little bit. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. My initial response to you, I literally texted you as I was driving away. I don't think I care for that movie. Yeah. But yeah. I did I, I when I when I thought about it again. And I thought about it again. I was like, I really do like this. I really like his version of Batman. I really like Alfred. I just wanted there to be more. I really like the Riddler. I really like Hallam. I really like the Penguin. I really like the... So there's a lot of good things in this. How do you like his cowl? Did you like the... How do you you like the cowl? I don't like the nose piece. Everything else was great. 
I don't like this. I piece. love it so much. <laughs> like I don't like I don't like the cowl because I feel like I could just go like I could just flick it and he's done. Just go right up to his nose and flick it and he's he just he just he just rolls over. So um, I know we've been we've been recording for about an hour thirty minutes now. I do have like one or two questions if you have time yeah, for it. Yes. What do you? What are you? What do you need for a Batman sequel? Because I feel like after this weekend, they're going to greenlight a sequel for Matt Reeves' The Batman. I feel like yeah, that's going to be inevitable. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, at this point, I mean, next weekend, it will already be the third highest grossing Batman movie of all time. And it by after next weekend, if it performs on the high end of expectations, which I think it will because... To Monday, it took twenty five, or I'm sorry, Monday it took eleven million dollars, mm-hmm. uh, over eleven million on Monday. So I'm if it scores high enough, if it does, if it hits four hundred and seventy million by the end of business next weekend, then it will have topped the the total box office gross of all of the Marvel movies except for Spider, the new Spider Man movie. It will have topped all of the MCU releases since the end of 2019. Uh, into over two years. So, and it's opening in a pandemic. It's opening in March, um, and it's a three-hour movie. So, despite all that, the fact that uh, it's performing as well as it is. I mean, it's and let's be honest. It's a Batman movie that got great reviews and it looks terrific. That and so it was going to do well. Right. Uh, so the question of whether it would actually get a sequel or not, to me, was just. It was a matter of semantics. It's going to get more than one sequel. It's going to get at least a trilogy. And Matt Reese has a lot of ideas. He's got spinoffs. He has all that. So I need a sequel that has, uh, really, I want whatever he's going to do. Uh, I'm going to be, I, he's, I, he earned my trust before the movie came out because I trusted him from his previous movies. That's why I wanted him to make this movie. Uh, so, but for me, my hope, Dick Grayson gets introduced. Even if it's at the end, even if it's just that he's on his way to the circus at the end of the movie or something, um, which I, I think that he'll, I think we'll get to see Dick Grayson in the movie uh, one way or the other. Um, and I'd love to see that. Uh, I'd like to see the costume evolve a little bit. I love this costume. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to change a lot, but I'd like since he's since he is still figuring stuff out and he's making it at home, but he's getting better. And now he's going to start caring about his money and stuff more. I'd like to see him tweaking his costume so that he leans more into trying to be an urban legend and not so overtly just armored. Uh, Still armor's fine. I'm just saying maybe the cape more over and whatever it is, some little tweaks here and there. Uh, but I love that cowl. I really do love the cowl, and I like that it's so the nose piece that you don't like and the stitching right there. Do you not notice that it's the cowl from the TV show? Mm-hmm. It's I a know. homemade one. That's what it is, and I, I love I, that. I don't like the nose. I don't like the nose part. To me, it just looks weird. <clears throat> it's so, so that if you punch him, and then it's armored. It's you can if you punch him. That whole thing is his hell. His whole cowl isn't armored. If you look at it, you can see. It's got a piece where the ears are and the top and the back of his head is where there's armoring and he's got armoring here for the Mm -hmm. nose, but he hasn't yet built a whole like bulletproof cowl. It's mostly sewn together and stitched together in leather and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I really dig that. No no Joker in the sequel? You're not, you're not wanting to see that? 
Nope, I don't need a. I don't think that we don't need the Joker right now. It's the Joker, 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 Joker. Joker's been in enough movies recently with Batman. Uh, I mean, if you he's he's been teased or shown in enough of them, and we've seen enough different versions of him that I don't need to see him again. My laptop is on low power, just so you know, so it's okay. about to go to sleep. So we're about to get cut off. What's your other question? Um, sorry. You can cut that part of me saying that. Out. No, you're good. Um, I'm trying to think of anything. So oh, the Joker a prediction: the Joker is going to be in the Arkham Asylum TV series. That's um, my prediction. Is that's where we're going to see the Joker, and we don't. That way, it'll give us our Joker fix without the movies having to be dominated by him. Maybe he'll just pop up with Batman going to visit him and asking questions or something, which would be cool. Um, I want to see. I want to see him bulk out. Like my my favorite version of Batman and his suit is in Batman Begins because you, it looked like he was filling out even in Ben Affleck's version. I want to see Robert Pattinson just be huge in this next film. Um, Mister Freeze would be cool, but I kind of want to see him globe trotting. I want to see him, you know, I don't know if I want to go really? like I, I'm. So, I don't know if I want him to go full like Dark Knight where he's going to extract someone, but I would like to see him outside of the city a little bit. Wherever that is, you know, maybe he's got a date where he meets Vicky Vale, a Russian. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't I think he's going to be traveling to Russia anytime soon. Um, <laughs> um, but I want to see him. I want to see him get huge. I want like that's what I'm like. I that's that there's a little bit left to be desired in his overall. Like to me, like I know that he's trying to like act like a ninja type of a thing, which is cool. Um, I want to see a little bit of Lucius. Like I want to see that. I want to see a little bit more Wayne Enterprises. I want to see the. I want to see Alfred play more of a, more of a central focus of where Bruce is. Um, other than that, like I think they did a really good job. There's some things I dislike, some things I love, but that's art. That's that's the objectivity of art or subjectivity, depending on which you're which you're, which way you're looking at. So, yeah. um. Where, where can we where can we find you on the interwebs before we call it? Uh, you can find me at Forbes. Uh, if you Google Forbes and Mark Hughes, that's the easiest way. But uh, or if you type Forbes Mark Hughes into your browser, it'll be usually the link will pop up. It's uh, Forbes.com backslash Mark Hughes. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's wrong. It's Forbes.com backslash sites s i t e s backslash Mark Hughes. But uh, yeah, you can find me there, uh, and you can find me on Twitter. But usually, I'm uh, I'm discussing politics or uh, marijuana or my dog uh, most of the time on Twitter. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate. Yeah, it's you. always a pleasure, man. Hopefully, I hope you like the next one uh, better than you liked this one, or maybe that additional viewings kind of improve your. I, you know, I used to, you know, I used to have a lot of complaints about. Uh, Batman Returns, mm -hmm. uh, but I've my affection for that movie has grown over the years. So, and that's going to do it for episode one eighty two of Shaman on Batman. Huge shout out, huge thank you for Mark Hughes for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us for today's episode. What did you think of the Batman? We want to hear from you. Did you love it? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Let us know. Send us a DM. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Shailen on Bat. You can find us on the Facebook page at 
the Shanlin on Batman podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Batman Shanlin. Kyle can find him on Twitter at Looting Kyle. I know Kyle has not seen the film yet, and as soon as he does, we will definitely be doing another review episode of that. So please, please hit us up. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. Thank you for all of our fans for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Thank you. I am the night. I am the night.